I know what you're thinking. Another podcast? This network has another podcast hosted by this guy of all people? And you thought right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first installment, the first episode, the season, the series premiere of Hitting the Highway. I am your host, Noah Hiles, and this is the new afternoon show here on DK Sports Radio. Glad to have you all with me here. Uh, as we continue to expand the network, as uh, you all know, last week we started three episodes of Daily Shot, one for each team. We have a lot of content coming to you in the morning. We thought, why not add something in the afternoon? That's where I come in every weekday, Monday through Friday. I will be here. The episodes will drop at 3 o'clock each afternoon, and uh, it will be a little different. Uh, Dayon's Daily Shot podcasts are more as I like to call evergreen, um, where they're not necessarily time-sensitive. Uh, he, he talks about things that are relevant, but they can apply to something that's going on you know, earlier in the week or later in the week, where this show is going to be up-to-date. It's going to be uh, very news-heavy. You're going to hear my opinions. You're going to get guests on this show. We're gonna hear, you're going to do sound the whole nine yards. And with that being said... The biggest news thing to talk about today, as far as sports news, we're not going to get into actual news. The biggest sports news thing to talk about today is, of course, Steelers against the, almost said it, the Washington football team. Another weird start time, and that's where I'm going to start here when we talk about this game. Steelers-Washington football team kickoff at 5 o'clock today. So depending when you, you might be listening to this, Minutes before this game gets going, depending when you get out of work. And I, I got to be honest, as someone who works from home, or, I mean, the only time I'm not working from home is when I'm at a stadium or helping, you know, out in our multimedia studio. But from some, for someone who mostly works from home, I got to say, I have no problem with this game being played at 5 o'clock. I understand why some people don't like it, but I think a large portion of the country is still working at home. And uh, in a different world, in the old world, I could see why this would be an issue starting this super early, especially because you're losing all those West Coast viewers. But like I said, a lot of people are working from home right now. I have no issue with the start time. I like that we get a double header for Monday Night Football, and we're not going to be up super late. It's all good in those aspects. However, I hate the time of this matchup. I hate the day of this matchup if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you think about the last time these two teams played, it is absurd in the difference of off time to prepare for this very important matchup. It's far more important for the Washington football team. Let's just get that out right now. With the Giants having an absolute wild victory yesterday over a Seahawks team they had no business beating with their backup quarterback, they're now in the driver's seat to win that dumpster fire of a division we call the NFC East. Some are calling it the least. I'm not going to make that low blow. But now Washington needs to catch up to them and wins. They've got, they've got you know games to make up for this, but a win over an opponent like Pittsburgh would go a long way for the Washington football team. They'd improve to 5-7, and seven, and then you look at their schedule down the road, they got San Francisco, Seattle, Carolina, and Philly. To close it out. That's not necessarily what I'd call easy. I mean, out of those you know, remaining opponents, there's only one playoff team right now, and that's Seattle. 
But Philly's still going to be clawing for that spot. Carolina's not an easy game, and neither is San Francisco, a team who, while beat up, they're well-coached and are a year removed from the Super Bowl. So Washington has a lot to play for, and they've had a lot more time to prepare. And I don't think that that's been properly emphasized during the short time period after Wednesday up to this morning. I don't feel like people are talking about that enough. Everyone's talking about the Steelers' injuries. And yes, there are meaningful players not participating in today's contest. Everyone's talking about the start time of this game and how it's weird, and I get that as well. How this game probably should have been played on Tuesday. That would have been a little bit more fair for the Steelers. But, as we all know, that doesn't really matter (laughs) from, from past decisions. They don't really take that into account. The league doesn't. At least it seems that way. But I feel like everyone is forgetting... How long of, or I mean, it's been mentioned, but I feel like this is the biggest difference. And that's why, if I'm the Steelers, I'm worried about today. There's no doubt who the better team is. There's no, there's no debate as to who's more talented, who's better coached. It's, it's, it's the black and gold, hands down. And they're the home team, which is nice. If they had to go on the road, After all of this, that's even a bigger challenge. But the Washington football team hasn't played since Thanksgiving. Think about that. That seems like 10 years ago. You've all put up your Christmas trees since then. Hell, some of us have our whole Christmas shopping completed since then. That seems like a lifetime ago. All the Thanksgiving leftovers are gone. If they're not, I mean, props to the chef in your home for for over-preparing. Invite me next year. But in all seriousness, Washington, this is their Super Bowl right now. Their playoffs start at 5 o'clock today. The Steelers want to win this game so they can be 100% in and clinch that playoff spot, and that's great. But let's be real here, folks. This game means a lot more to the team coming into town than the team from this hometown. And it's not even up for debate. And that team, who it means more to, is coming into this better rested, healthier, and far more prepared. To no fault of the Steelers' own. There's only so much you can do when you play on a Wednesday and then your next game is on a Monday late in the afternoon. And while, sure, they're not welcoming in the Kansas City Chiefs, this is the NFL. And every opponent needs to be taken seriously as we saw last Wednesday when the Steelers went toe-to-toe all the way down to the wire with uh, the, the Ravens' JV team, essentially. I know Dayon on Daily Shot of Steelers this morning said he thinks the Steelers are going to lose this game. I don't. I don't think it's going to go that far. I do think it's going to be close. I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. I compared these two defenses. That's that's been the high the focal point, the highlight. I'm going to I'm going to list off these stats here. You find the outlier. In total yards allowed, the Steelers are third in the NFL, Washington fourth. Sacks, Steelers first, Washington fifth. Tono, turnover difference. Steelers first, Washington 25th. 
Passing defense first and second, rushing defense eighth and 14th, scoring defense first and ninth. And again, I ask you, define the difference between these two teams. They're, they're, they're neck and neck. There's not a big separation between these two teams in any one of these categories aside from one, and that's turnover differential. Washington can get to the quarterback. They can limit uh, opportunities through the air. Those are two things that should scare the Steelers, even though Ben doesn't get sacked a lot, hasn't been sacked hardly at all this season. And sure, the Steelers rely on the passing game a lot more than people would like, but they're not going to have a repeat performance of Wednesday. I can promise you that. The drops are not going to ever be that bad. I'm confident when I say that. But their defense, Washington's defense, will make this a close game. It will make it a tough game. This is the best defensive line that they'll see all year aside from the team that they line up against in practice. This is a great defensive line. The top four people on this team in sacks are all defensive linemen. So, yeah, they're legit. They're legit. They also got John Bostick, so you can expect one late hit that might hurt someone. Hopefully I'm wrong on that. But the difference here is going to be taking care of the football. The difference here is going to be the guy who's running each team's offense. On one side, you have a Hall of Famer who's playing excellent this year, who's been incredibly efficient this year, and who, while his numbers weren't amazing on Wednesday, they would have been a lot better had his receivers just held on to the damn ball. You compare that to Alex Smith, who, for all intents and purposes, is a great story. But let's be real. This guy barely leads his team in passing. The guy who's in second place, Haskins, hasn't played since October 4th. That's over a month ago. And Alex Smith, who's now the starter, is still just less than 100 yards ahead of him in passing yards on the season. And I get that he came back later and there was a brief period in between. And whoever else is playing in this game, I don't care. Who's lining up at quarterback? It could be Kyle Allen. It could be Alex Smith. It could be Haskins. It could be whoever. This offense is nothing compared to what the Steelers have seen before, and it will be easy to shut down for them. I think the Steelers' defense has its best game of the season because when this team has been tested, when its back has been up against the wall, the defense always comes through. I'm talking turnovers in the red zone. I'm talking stops late in the fourth quarter. They're being tested today. This is going to be the hungriest team they face on a short notice, and I think they come through. My score prediction here is 17-0 Steelers. I get it. I, don't think, I think it's going to be another ugly one. There have been some ugly wins, no doubt. I don't think it's going to be as ugly as Wednesday, but... I think it's going to be a struggle for the offense a little bit. But overall, they're going to be in control throughout the entire game. They win this one 17-0. Steelers defense pitches a shutout, which I believe would be the first of the year for them. So that's my prediction. Oh, another note I want to make as, before we move on. Everyone likes to talk about the Steelers' schedule and how bad it is. Everyone in the national media. 
Well, when comparing these two defenses, I wanted to see who Washington played compared to the Steelers. These teams have six common opponents. The Washington football team has only played three games in which there was an opponent the Steelers haven't also played this year. Those teams were the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Lions. All teams with decent offenses, I'll give you that. But they both played Philly, Cleveland, Baltimore, the Giants, Dallas, and Cincinnati. So these numbers are similar because they face similar opponents. And like I said, the biggest difference here is turnover margin. The Steelers' defense is going to take the ball away. Washington's won't. And when the Steelers' defense creates those opportunities, the offense will come through. I'm saying Steelers 17-0. That's my prediction. When we come back, we're going to switch it up. We're going to talk some baseball. Winter meetings start this week. We're going to get on the, get on the horn with DK, Pittsburgh sports beat writer Alex Stump when we get back. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Second segment of the show, and oh my goodness, they stuck around long enough for me to have my first guest on Hitting the Highway with Noah Hiles. And when I was thinking of who can I have as a first guest, I thought, let me get someone who I don't do a lot of content with, who I don't know, my chemistry might be off or something, and we'll just wing it. And then I went opposite, and I went with the guy who I've done audio content with uh, since you know I was just out of college. His name's Alex Stump. He's the head beat writer for the Pittsburgh Pirates on DK Sports Radio, and he joins us this lovely Monday afternoon. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well, Noah. If you'll make you feel better, I can make this you know, a real awkward segment. Well, it's already kind of awkward. Uh, th- thankfully, <laughs> this is over audio, and I'm not going to record any video of this because, you know, you're in your robe which is your your happy place. And I know I know something special is about to be written or reported from Alex Stump because that robe, it's like um, if you've seen the movie Like Mike and you put on your special sneakers or you know how you hear Michael Jordan wore the same pair of shorts from North Carolina underneath his Bulls uniform. That's, that's essentially what that robe is for you, no? I, I need to stop wearing this around you. I love it. I mean, he wears it. It's in- nice. It's comfortable. It's warm. Yes. All right. So- I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> And Alex, you get to wear that robe while covering winter meetings this year. A little bit of a different experience. Where were they last year? San Diego? Yeah. Yeah, and you got to go cover those. And uh, I'd imagine you weren't wearing a robe while covering those. Um, Maybe the hotel provided you a free one that you could wear during your leisure time. Um, But things are a little little different this year. Uh, It's all virtual. Um, You actually were just speaking with the Pirates about how media availability is going to work. as far as organized stuff, obviously, as a reporter, you have your unorganized stuff, you know, your unnamed sources. But take me through what it's going to be like covering baseball winter meetings this year um, throughout all this pandemic-related chaos. I mean, this is going to be subject to change, 
obviously, if I find out, hey, you know, this isn't working or I should be doing this because this is pretty – God, I, I hate this word. I hate saying unprecedented anymore because this is all precedented now. We've been through this, everything. This is just, well, we haven't done this aspect of of stuff right now. So, But what it's basically going to be, at least from my point, is you know I, I have alerts set on my phone <laughs> – for a lot of national reporters, I'm I'm going to be texting some people that I know, people within the organization, people in the industry, and I, I'm going to see what I can find out. It's going to be kind of uneventful, I I feel like, because I would be very very surprised if the Pirates leave the winter meetings having made a significant move, whether that is signing a major league free agent or making a trade. I I. I am imagining it's going to be something similar to uh, what we saw at the trade deadline in August, you know, where we're going to hear a couple names pop up. You know, we're going to hear Adam Frazier's name pop up maybe, or Joe Musgrove's name pop up maybe. Um, And maybe it'll be like last uh, winter meetings where there was some framework set for a Starling Marte trade, but nothing actually happened. That's what I wanted to ask you about, because I agree with you that there isn't going to be much activity, and not just on the Pirates' front, but on, I would I would assume, maybe like 25 to 26 teams' fronts. You know, there's a handful that might uh, be more vocal, I guess. I, I don't know if anyone gets signed, anyone of notoriety gets signed here uh, for any team. I think that there are going to be a couple teams who are far more aggressive than the rest of the field. Um, but I do think that, yeah, this is going to be – a similar situation to last year where the groundwork is built on a key player on the Pirates roster being traded. My question to you is, what player is that going to be? Because it could be multiple people in my eyes. And you brought up some names. Joe Musgrove is a guy who was very close to being traded last trade deadline. He didn't get dealt. It would make a lot of sense for him to be traded this offseason. Josh Bell is a guy that could you know, get some interest. I don't think he is anywhere near his ceiling value right now. And I think the pirates recognize that, but if they get a good offer, I could see them pulling the trigger on that. And that would start with this. Adam Frazier's a guy who's been in trade talks for two years now, it seems. Um, and then there's of course, a couple other guys like Richard Rodriguez could be dealt. Um, Chad cool. His name has been involved. If you had to pick one player who you think could be this offseason starling Marte, who teams are going to come to the pirates during these winter meetings and say, look, no rush, but here is what we think we can offer for a player like this. Who would you say that guy would be? I think it would probably be Joe Musgrove. Okay. Just because if you look at the free agent market, there aren't a whole lot of guys in that in that second tier of pitching. And a few of the guys who were kind of in that second tier, like Charlie Morton, are already off the market. So for a team that doesn't want to exactly add a lot of payroll but needs to add a middle of the rotation, Guy and someone like Joe Musgrove, who we saw in those you know last couple starts in 2020, he can be more middle of the rotation. He has really good stuff. It's just what's his mix? How does he attack batters? If a team really sits him down, like Joe, Joe, you're playing for a contract now, buddy. We're gonna throw this slider. We're gonna throw this curveball. We're gonna use this changeup more. This is what we're actually gonna do. I know you like throwing the fastball, but we're gonna do it this way. I, I I'm not gonna say he's gonna you know become Garrett Cole or anything, but I think he could be you know a good number two starter in that regard. So I, I think he's the guy that teams are going to have the most interest in a low cost in terms of dollars, potentially high impact player. 
Alex, who are some guys that the Pirates could possibly kick the tires on? I, I, and again, I don't expect them to sign anyone. Yeah, I just, I just hit you with the cliche I knew you would love to hear. That's uh, my favorite one. Yep. But who are some guys that the Pirates are going to make some phone? Who's, who are some players that Charrington is going to call their agents this week and say, listen, we have some interest. I understand our situation is different than other teams, but you can come here and we could possibly offer you something that other organizations can't. Who are some players that you think would be fitting in that mold? I think you have to look at the outfield, really, because there's only four guys on the roster, and you got to need to break camp with at least four guys next year. And I don't know if they want to, you know, have Jared Oliver be in the major leagues to start the regular season. So they're going to need to find someone there. That's obviously a very wide net. They could just, you know, add a fourth outfielder in the mix. They could add, you know, maybe someone who could compete in center field in the mix or in outfield spot in general. Like I, I wrote up David Dahl as, you know, this. He, Potentially Jeb outfielder, but yeah, I mean, he was a an couple, all-star a couple years ago. Yeah, 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 like here's a good guy, a good player. So, but other teams are going to be in on him too. I, I think you look at the outfield, you look at maybe adding a little pitching depth, but I don't really expect him to sign anyone this week. Okay, yeah, but I was just you know thinking in yeah, general, yeah, just like going down the, the down the okay. road, you know, call. Alex, uh, as far as signings go, I don't think a lot of teams are going to be excited to sign anyone. As we've talked about on Morning Java, as you've talked about with Dayon on Daily Shot of Pirates, a lot of teams lost a lot of money in 2020. Um, because of that, do you see more trades happening than normal this offseason? Maybe not necessarily during winter meetings, but just in general, as a way for teams to try to get around spending money and trying to reconstruct their roster to be competitive in 2021. See, I, I really don't know. I, because here we are, this is the weird thing about this offseason, is the offseason realistically goes from the beginning of November to the end of February. Sometimes you have guys sign in March, but for the most part, everything's going to be done, especially trade-wise, by the time spring training starts. And we're, what, a quarter of the way to that point? And has, has there really been so much of a rumor? No. Like a significant player? Charlie Morton is the biggest. When Charlie Morton's yeah. the biggest, oh, I'm just talking like trade market. Oh yeah, like no, you no, look no, at no, someone no. like okay, Chris Bryant might be traded. Francisco Lindor probably will be traded. It, but no, it's not even those rumors. It's those top ten landing spots, possible candidates. You know, it's yes. it's, it's just speculation. There's no, you know, yeah, there's no word yeah. to anything. There's no weight to anything. Yeah, but I I don't think there are that many actual sellers on the market. I guess would be the the big point like the pirates are obviously in a position where yes they they should be trying to trade some of their major league talent to get younger talent and build for the future but for the most part there aren't a lot of teams that are just flat out sellers like a team like even the marlins 12 months ago probably would have come into this you know as seller they would have finished you know sub 500 or whatever but now it's like, well, wait a minute. We just made the playoffs. We got a good young core. We got a couple veterans in the mix now with Starling Marte, Corey Dickerson. You know, like, what, what do the Marlins do in an offseason like this? I don't expect them to make a big splash in free agency, but maybe they do make that trade. So I, I don't want to predict if there's going to be a whole lot more trades than normal just because, you know, free agent market will go through. I, if anything, if I do have to make a prediction, I think – Towards you know late January, early February, we see a lot of guys taking one-year deals, you know, big free agents, and just bank on you know next off-season being better. 
I'm going to name you three names. I want you to tell me who's the most likely to be traded this offseason. Ready? Okay. Uh, yes. All of them are former MVP. Oh, no. Lindor never won MVP. So Francisco Lindor. Lindor. Who is, yeah. Uh, okay. Chris Bryant or Blake Snell? Lindor. You think Lindor actually gets dealt? Yeah, I just don't see Cleveland paying. What's he supposed to make? Twenty something million? A lot, yes. Yeah, yeah. Here's Cleveland, who just gave up Brad Hand. You know, one of the better closers in the game. You're like, hey, anyone want him for ten million dollars? We don't. Yeah. It's well, he, he they tried to weasel out of paying him one million dollars. Yeah. By putting him on by putting him on waivers. So, all right. I, I think Lindor is the most, and then Bryant the second most. I don't see Snow getting traded. You don't. No. Just because our team's scared to trade with the Rays, or is it the asking price is going to be what, too what high? What do the Rays need? What do the Rays need? He's they not need, that expensive. Yet. They need chaos. The only team that I really see coming in, swooping in, and getting Blake Snow would be the Padres. They're the one of the few teams that have an absolute need for another front of the line starter after losing Clevenger. They have the farm system to make a trade. I just don't see them allocating so much of that farm system that they've spent years building. For one guy. What about a team like the Dodgers, who's still in win-now mode? And they can, they have... The Dodgers a, don't need Blake Snow. I know they don't, but they didn't need Mookie Betts either. And they went and got him. And they kind of needed three. another outfielder. Yeah, the I mean... They upgraded maybe. from Verdugo to, to Mookie Betts. Okay. Which is nothing against Verdugo. He's a fine player, but he's not Mookie Betts. Not the best player in the National League. I understand. Yeah. Um, And Alex, as we close things out... Uh, give me, if you had to predict one big name that does sign this winter meetings, who is it and where to? I, I threw it out just like as a Hail Mary that the Mets would get George Springer during my 10 thoughts, but that was about a week ago and we haven't heard anything from George Springer or the Mets since, so I'm not really optimistic about it, but I don't know. Mets apparently aren't going to be going after Real Muto. They're going after McCann instead, so I, I see them allocating more dollars to Springer. I'm going to go different. I'm going to go LeMayhew to the Blue Jays. Something hey, that is could... anyone going to sign with the Blue Jays? Because where are they going to go back to Buffalo? Who? I don't know. That's going to be a tough sell. I, I kind of view the Blue Jays as a team that's going to have to trade to add their players just because it's going to be so difficult for them to attract free agents this year. Uh, I mean, I think you, you look at that young roster and maybe uh, if they can offer, you know, an extra year compared to everyone else, that might be enough to sell them regardless of where they're playing. Alex, that's fair. fair. It's like, hey, you're going to win and you're going to be paid a lot of money. Yes, exactly. Everyone else in that division is going down. They're going up. Alex, thank you for joining the show. Everyone, be sure to head over to DKPittsburghSports.com. Alex just wrote a mound visit, uh, which he does every Monday. It was on Clay Holmes, a guy that the Pirates got rid of and then brought back all in the same week. Had some interesting stuff to say on him and has some interesting stuff to say on anything related on baseball. Not much else, though. Alex, thanks for coming on. When we come back, we're going to get weird. Our final segment is called Let's Get Weird. You'll find out more when we return. Third and final segment of the show, and as I previewed it, or as they call in this business, a tease. As I teased it at the end of my interview with Alex, this segment's going to be called Let's Get Weird. It's going to be a short third segment to close out the day. And uh, the first two segments, we're going to talk about relevant things in the world of Pittsburgh sports. This last one, I'm just going to find something random that might apply to Pittsburgh, might not, might be sports-related. Maybe it isn't. 
In this case, we're going to talk about the world of boxing and what's been going on there in the last couple of weeks. And I'm not talking about the actual, you know, pay-per-view fights. Well, this actually was a pay-per-view. I'm not talking about Terrence Crawford or the guys who are trying to challenge him. I'm talking about YouTubers and retired legends going toe-to-toe in the ring. Numerous reports, including outlets like ESPN, reported yesterday that Logan Paul will will fight Floyd Mayweather. Yes, that guy. I think he's like 50-0. Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather is happening, and it's happening in February, which is not too far away. So I want to talk about this. This is this is this is weird, is it not? I mean, think about the just the context of this. Floyd Mayweather, during the height of his prime, was the highest paid athlete in the world. And now he's taking fights against a kid who is best known for making content on YouTube and getting famous from a social media platform that doesn't exist anymore. It's called Vine. I really liked it, for the record. I, I, I see this fight, I view this fight, and I have two immediate thoughts. One, God, this is sad for boxing. I mean, this is sad. The sad thing about this is the Paul brothers, Logan and Jake, are the most well-known, relevant boxers in the world. And that's not really up for debate. The only one who you could possibly put ahead of them is Floyd Mayweather. But if you're talking relevancy, the Pauls, check their social media handles. They have more followers than any player on the Pittsburgh Steelers, than any, really, anyone in the NFL. I'm talking millions upon millions in reach. Their demographic isn't a boxing demographic. I get that. It's a lot of people far younger than me. But sheer numbers, sheer reach, more people know who these two are than pretty much any other boxer in the world aside from Floyd Mayweather. So in a way, it is sad that this is the highest profile boxing match since, you know, there was, there was Fury Wilder. Before that, it was McGregor Mayweather, who, I mean, one of those guys wasn't even a boxer so if you look at these big profile fights and I and I get it boxing fans are hitting the table saying no there are better boxers than this and I'm not disputing that I'm saying as far as name recognition people who aren't boxing fans why they would want to buy a pay-per-view I mean some of these title fights aren't even pay-per-views anymore there's a reason behind that people don't want to watch the sport There is no mega superstar in the world of boxing. Not to the likes of what it used to be. Fury's known. Wilder's known. Other guys are known. But there's no Mike Tyson in this sport. There's no Muhammad Ali in this sport. There's no George Foreman. Joe Frazier. I mean, there's there's no one like that, even close to that, in today's world of boxing which is sad. But at the same time, the Paul brothers are good for boxing. 
UFC has replaced boxing as the fighting sport in America, if not the world. Leave no doubt. There, there are few people my age, you know, 20s, millennials, who would rather watch a boxing match if you were given the option to buy a boxing pay-per-view or a UFC pay-per-view and you didn't know who was fighting in either card, everyone's going with the UFC pay-per-view. It's a more entertaining sport. It just is. It's more unpredictable. And like, I, and as someone who buys, you know, the big title fights for both, the undercards for boxing stink. I literally fell asleep during the undercard for Fury Wilder. Meanwhile, USC, UFC, sometimes the undercard or the fights before the main fight, the headline, the main event, they're more entertaining than the actual main event sometimes, unintentionally. UFC is just a more entertaining sport, so boxing has to overcome that some way, somehow. And this might be how they do it, by getting the two people, these brothers from Ohio, from Cleveland, who are so polarizing— They have such a dedicated fan base, and then they also have so many people who cannot stand them to the point where former retired athletes like Nate Robinson are getting off their couch after making millions of dollars their whole life and saying, I will fight them just to shut them up. The problem is, these guys could throw hands a little bit. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, I'm I'm sure most of you did see what Jake Paul did to Nate Robinson, and I get it, total size mismatch. And Jake Paul took the fight a lot more serious. And I think it's going to be a much different result when Logan, Jake's older brother, fights Floyd Mayweather. But the publicity that the Paul brothers are bringing to the sport of boxing is priceless. It's sad that it had to come to this, but this is a genius move. So, seeing this news is sad. But boxing should be excited. Because, yes, while temporarily everyone's going to say, oh, you know, everyone just thinks they can be a boxer. These Paul brothers are, are you know, hijacking the sport. And it kind of does look like that right now. But one thing they do have is a young audience. There's, their audience right now is owned by the UFC. They can change that. They can change that with these fights. Win or lose, there are going to be more young people watching boxing matches than ever before at least recently, because of these two morons who keep challenging anyone and anyone, anyone and everyone, I should say, under the sun to fights. And you see other athletes. Evander Kane was calling people out. Paul Bissonnette was calling people out, or calling them out. Ryan Reeves was calling them out. Hockey guys were calling them out. But no, you know who Jake Paul, or yeah, you know who Jake Paul wants to fight next? Conor McGregor, and I'll tell you what, you know what Conor McGregor likes more than his whiskey? You know what Conor McGregor likes more than, you know, the UFC and fighting or whatever else he enjoys? Conor McGregor likes money. That's why he walked into a boxing ring and fought one of the most successful, if not the most successful boxers of all time, a fight that he knew he was going to lose because it made him a rich man forever, one of the biggest paydays ever. Still might be the biggest payday. It's why he's still fighting after he continues to retire and then comes back. Continues to retire and comes back. Conor McGregor's going to fight Jake Paul. And he's going to kick his ass. And it's going to be great. 
And the same thing's going to happen to Logan Paul when he fights Floyd Mayweather. But the thing is, whether you like it or not, boxing fans, these Paul brothers, as annoying and repulsive as they are, they're your ticket to relevancy. Without them, your sport isn't even second fiddle. It's the kid who didn't even get invited to perform in the concert. They can bring you back. Let them get the snot knocked out of them by people who know what they're doing. Young people will watch, and maybe they'll want to give boxing a try again. That's all I have to say. Thank you all for tuning in to my first episode of Hiles on the Highway. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media accounts. Follow me on Twitter, underscore Noah Hiles, uh, and hit that automatic download button if you haven't already. We'll have more content for you tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Steelers are going to win. You heard it here. Not first, probably not last either, but 17-0. That's my prediction. If I'm wrong, oh well. I'm still recording a podcast tomorrow. Talk to you guys then.